Well, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, the, the phrase that comes to my mind this morning is simply, it's not about me. Now, it'd be very easy for a, a, a pastor of any denomination, right, simply to get up on, on Sunday morning and, and kind of preach against the things that I myself don't particularly like and maybe not even talk about the things that I think are, you know, just, just kind of okay, but somehow, you know, God, who doesn't quite understand the current age, you know, doesn't, hasn't quite caught up yet, with, with our you know current understanding, I mean, maybe I just not talk about those things, right? It'd be very easy for that to happen, but the phrase comes back to our minds. It's not about me. See, really, it's about what does God desire? What does God want? From us, what does God want to be taught from the pulpits within His churches? It's not about me. Uh, just thinking of, of, of something, you know, maybe that it's not that that much on your mind, but something that our church definitely disapproves of, and I haven't really spoken on it a, a lot here but the subject of gambling. You see, our Missouri Senate has uh, published, you know, what they call the, the CTCR. Um, you know, maybe some of you have collected CTCRs over the years. You, you read through that, it's really what is our official position on this topic, thus and so, and we are against gambling. Hopefully you, you knew that, right, as you walked in today. Hopefully it's kind of in the back of your mind. It's not something new. It's like, whoa, what happened? But just a, a simple subject, but not so simple anymore, is it? No, it's time to a, 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 a fellow. I'm not going to mention what, what his name was. He, he uh, you know, volunteers at a particular organization. I don't have to mention that either. He's telling me how his particular organization has installed gambling machines on their premises. And what a blessing it is for them. They went on to tell me about how, you know, a lot of people, they just win one or two dollars and they never even claim that one or two dollars. They're, they're just happy to have that feeling that, oh, I won something. See? And then he went on to tell me the people that win the larger you know, um, amounts, that they often feel lucky, and so they will put all of their winnings back into the system. And so, you know, for them, it's as if they're just, you know, collecting money hand over fist, and it's very rare that they even pay it back out again. What a wonderful system this is for our organization, he, he was telling me. And yet, you know, for us within the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, we consider gambling to be 
of sin. And, and yet, as individuals, we, we probably have stories, right? No, my, my brother was stranded at the airport, right? He was out of money. He needed to be able to come home, and he walked in the casino, and he laid down his last $20. And he won enough to get the airfare to come home. And wasn't that wonderful? See, you have your little story. My, my person that, that I, I, I love, my person that's close to me, they did this thing that now you're saying is a sin. And it worked out well. See, isn't that great? No one family I, I, I ran into that they had within their, their family tradition, you know, back, back in the, the 30s, you know, they're, they're about to lose the family farm. And, you know, dad walked into the pool hall and he was skilled at playing pool. And he laid down the money and he won pool game after pool game and he cleared the debt, and they kept the farm. Come on, pastor, really? Is gambling so terrible? Great-great-grandpa saved the farm. See, by gambling. But yeah, the phrase comes back, right? It comes back today. It's not about me. First, see, if I have a great-great-granddad that, say, the family farm, and I have a brother that got to fly home when maybe he couldn't, you know, I, I can come to the conclusion. You know, it, it, it's not so bad. And, and what's God even talking about? Why, why is that important? Why, why, why is the, the pastor coming down on, on that topic? Well, I'm, I'm coming down there today as just the beginning because, you see, we, we face a far worse sins in our world today, and we get the same amount of pushback, don't we? But when we try to talk about them. And we had that, that very a fearful Old Testament lesson that says, if you see someone committing sin and you fail to tell them, you fail to warn them, their blood will be on your hands. See? And yet how often in our day is it so very easy to just sit back? It's so very easy to say, I'm tired of being pushed around in the public sector. I may be just going to shut up. You know, I, I see that, that thing going wrong, but I, I'm just tired. I see that that person committing sin and I'm, I'm just worn out. And I want that phrase again to come and, and echo back into our minds today. It's not about me. It's about the God of this universe who created us who indeed has the authority to tell us how things ought to be. It's about him, right? It's about him. You might start to ask the question, say, well, well, why should God be able to tell me how to live? Why, why should he? Well, first of all, it's because he created the heavens and the earth, isn't it? 
The, the book of John, it actually tells us that all things were made through Christ. You see, and I've, I've hammered on that a, a little bit before, but it's so very important that we would get that very clear. God planned the creation. He, he spoke the words of creation and through his son, Jesus Christ, the one that, that we're here to be grateful for today, through Jesus, all things were made. There's not one thing that came about by accident, but rather all was made through Christ. And it's so bizarre for us to consider today that so many people want to think we just got here by accident. You find engineers out there that just spent the, the last year designing the, the most intricate coffee maker, and, and they spent countless hours making sure every single component was, was just perfect. And with the new smart coffee makers, you know, they wrote a, a bunch of code in order that the coffee maker could perform just as it's supposed to. And yet they say, oh, that tree just got here by accident. It just seems incredibly bizarre, doesn't it? The, the people that call themselves scientists, the people that, that call themselves engineers, the people that use their minds daily to create the most intricate things that we use every day could somehow come to believe that a thing as complicated as you and I got here by countless accidents over time. And, and, and yet we know it's so. Just turn on the news, right? You're listening to the radio. You, you see someone on the television and, and we know that somehow they have that belief. But it, it's not true. God made the heavens and the earth. He made them through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He did it with care and concern. He did it with love. He did it so that we could become members of heaven someday. He loves us so very much that even though we go astray at times, he sent Jesus to die on the cross so our sin could be forgiven. So not only did God make the heavens and the earth, not only did God make us, but he shows his love for us through the sacrifice of Jesus. That, that's really number two, isn't it? Why should I listen to God? Well, because he made you. Oh, okay, so he made me. So what? Why, why should I listen? Because he loves you. Well, yeah, what did, what did God really do? How did God show that he loves me? Well, he sent Jesus to die so you can make it home to heaven. Why should we listen to somebody? Well, those would be good qualifications, wouldn't they? You know, why, why should you listen to your, your mom and dad? Well, they made me. So what? They don't treat me very well. Okay, well, why should you listen to your, your mom and dad? Well, they, they, they made me and they love me. They, they took care of me. They, they raised me to the best of their uh, abilities. They, they were there for me in times of need. Okay. You see, we have a, a God who, who's perfect, 
who loves us so very much, who created us in his image, who sent his son to die for our sin. Why should we listen to him? Maybe because he has our best interest at heart. We thought about that recently. You know, God really has your best interest at heart. And so when he comes and he makes commands and he makes rules and he says you, you ought not to do these things, should we not listen? See, should we not listen? And again, it comes back to my phrase. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about trusting in God, isn't it? Because if I do trust that he has my best interest at heart, then I begin to follow his commands, don't I? It begins to make changes within my life. Things start to be different, you see. No, you, you can uh, imagine perhaps going to a, a, a big city and, and within a, a big city, maybe you would run into some people that, that practice a theft as a way to get by. They steal from other people. And you know, maybe coming into contact with that, that group and sitting down, visiting uh, with them, hanging out with them from, from time to time, you know, you, you might start to fall into some of those traps where you say, oh, you know, big business, they, they can handle the loss. And oh, you know, there, there's insurance that covers those things. And you know, I just didn't have very many opportunities growing up. And you know, excuse after excuse after excuse can come from a person's mouth, and, and, and you, right, you know, maybe liking some of those people, you know, you hanging out with some of those people, you might come to the conclusion that maybe what they're doing isn't so bad, you know? They only steal from really wealthy people, and then wealthy people deserve to be stolen from. And wealthy people have insurance, and the insurance covers it, and everything is just fine. You see, that, that can happen to a person. That's why the, the scripture says, you know, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Right? Don't be deceived. Don't, don't, you know, go and hang out with those people because that's exactly what can happen. You know, you start to think like they do. You start to lower your guard. You say, well, maybe it's okay to steal sometimes. You see, but then we come back to that word of God. The word says, you know, thou shall not steal. Again, our text for today said, you know, if you see someone stealing, and you fail to warn them about what the consequence is going to be, their blood will be on your hands. You will be held accountable because you knew the truth. You failed to share it. You failed to tell that other person what was going on, what the consequence would be. Right? Loss of salvation. 
Eternal damnation. You're not going to make it to heaven if you keep doing that. You need to repent. You need to change. You need to come back to Jesus. But, you know, you, you, you fail. It's my good friend. I, I didn't want to offend them. I, I didn't want to talk to them about that thing they were doing that God says is a sin. I, I, I just didn't want to get involved. See? But again, my phrase, it's not about me. You see, having lived all these years on this earth, there are probably things within the Bible that you and I perhaps have compromised on. Yeah, you're saying about, you know, sad to say, um, over 50% of marriages ending in divorce. And the number one cause of, of the, you know, the dissolving marriage is adultery, isn't it? And so you, you and I, you know, we think about friends and, and neighbors. We think about people that, that we know. We know people that have committed adultery, don't we? Right there. Maybe someone even close in our family. And, you know, perhaps even these people entered into an adulterous relationship and it turned out okay. And maybe their friends and neighbors are standing around and saying, you know, look what good things can happen when you find the right person. You heard that? That person they were with, it it just was the... The wrong person. We thought it was the right person, but it was the wrong person. And then they finally found true love. Now I'm being sarcastic, right? I hope you understand that. I hope you can hear it in my voice. That's what people are telling us, isn't it? You know, we thought it was the right person, but it was the wrong person. And then they found true love and they got together and oh, and they, oh, it turned out good now. See, they've been together for 10 years and they're so happy. Isn't that what life is about? And again, the phrase comes back, it's not about me. It doesn't matter if I know people that committed adultery and it turned out good. God still says, thou shalt not Commit adultery. Do I trust God's plan? Do I trust that he has a good purpose for me? Do I trust that by following his word, I can lead a God-pleasing life? Do, Do I trust that? And if I trust in that, then I continue to follow his word, don't I? No matter how it looks to me. You know, in that matter, you know, sometimes the other side, it seems hard, right? You have a, a, a brother, a, a sister, someone close to you. They're, they're in a kind of bad relationship. And, and they stuck it out. And then their, their husband and wife got, got cancer. And, and 
died and you know it seems like they they just had a hard go of it and that that person they were with it it just was hard and and now that that other person is gone it's still just kind of hard and and you say wow now that that person followed god and our society today says wow they do that for Wasted years of their life. But not so long ago, we used to uphold those individuals, didn't we? And we used to say, you know, look at that person who followed God through suffering. Look at that person that followed God through persecution. Look at that person. The word of God was so full in their heart that they did as God request it. And at least in the church, such a person would have a great welcome, wouldn't they? They would say, look at them. This is how it ought to be. The suffering for doing right, going through hard times in order to do God's will. That, that's where we're supposed to be. And that's where where we should be as a church, where the church then becomes that that center where people who are being attacked in the world for doing God's will can come to the church and receive comfort and and receive uh, graciousness and be upheld for following that word of God because it's not about me. It's not about how I feel. It's not about what I think about a particular situation, but rather it's about what God thinks about it. And it it should be about what God tells us in his holy word. You see, all all around our, our morality is being eroded, isn't it? And all around, we're being attacked on many fronts, and all around, you know, it's becoming more and more difficult uh, to stay away from bad company, right? They say, well, what should I do? Just, you know, kind of go off in the the woods by myself and build a a little hut so, you know, I'm never around, you know, bad company? But no, that's not what the scripture says either, does it? Right, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. You see, we're supposed to be in the world as salt and light, aren't we? But if salt has lost its saltiness, if you and I have lost the ability to condemn sin, if you and I have lost the ability to warn others that they're falling into sin, then we're not salty anymore, are we? And we've lost it. And that's not what God wants either, because it's not about me. It's not about that I feel tired. It's not about that I don't want to have confrontation. It's not about that the world has changed so much from God's view of things, but rather it's about what does God want? See, what does he want? 
And so then I read through his holy word. And I compare his holy word to the things that I see in my world. And when I see something that doesn't line up, then I speak about it. See, It doesn't matter then if, you know, this person has, you know, brought gambling into their establishment. It's so wonderful and, and they have such a windfall that I can go to God's word and I can understand it. Not supposed to be doing that. And it doesn't matter if, you know, my, my friend, my brother even comes to me and says, oh, you know what? I entered into this adulterous relationship, and, but he doesn't call it that, of course. And, and everything is so wonderful now. And my life is just turned around and I, I, I ditched that old battle axe. You know, and now I have this new wonderful person with me by my side and it's so good. And then I can still speak the word of truth into that situation because it's not about me. See, it's about God. And so in closing for today, I just want to remind you once again from the, the first part of my sermon. Now, why should God and his opinion matter? Why should I, I trust God to run my life? Why should I live my life according to his principles? It's because he made us, isn't it? And then again, you might argue and say, well, a, a, a man and woman can get together and make a kid, but so what? Well, okay, God didn't just make us, but he loves us, doesn't he? He shows that great love for us by sacrificing his one and only son, that our sin can be forgiven, that we can make it home to heaven one day. See, God made us. God loves us. And God indeed tells us he has good plans for us. Do we trust him? Do we trust that he did indeed create us? He made every intricate part of our being. Do we believe that because he loves us, he sent Jesus to die upon the tree? Do we understand that because of that great love, he has good plans for us? And having faith and having hope in the plan of one who loves and made us. Is it not prudent to follow his commands? And we should say, of course it is. Of course I want to follow Jesus. Of course, I want to follow him. Yes, even into hard places. Of course, I want to do the things he's called me to do. Of course, I want to trust in him that his way is the best way.
And so we find today it's not about me. It's about him. Amen. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.